You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. Who doesn't like doing things alone? Is there anybody here that doesn't like doing things alone? Um, Some people I know like to take a friend when they go to the bathroom. Um, (laughs) Or just to pick up something small from the shop. Um, One that um, I resonate with a lot is when you're going to a... Um, a party or an event that has some kind of dress code or maybe a fancy dress up situation. Um, in those scenarios, I don't ever want to be going by myself because at the very least I want one other person there with me that's overdressed or dressed up as something starting with the letter P, if it's a letter P party. <laughs> because it's much easier to do new things, to do out there things when you have good people around you. And a an example of this was Friday. Um, it was very windy, and our um, internet comes in via satellite, and the dish fell over. And who knows, without internet, the world stops. So, despite the gale force winds, um, we had to do something about it. Um, now, I'm not one to climb up a ladder onto the roof, um, but Pastor Lee, he was brave. Um, so, he got up there and did it, but he wasn't going to do it unless someone held the ladder, which I don't blame him. Because I wasn't getting up there at all. I was more than happy to hold the ladder. (laughs) But at the same time as this, sometimes the relationships we have might not be life-giving. You know, there's, there's people that we come across, people in our world, that maybe after we spend time with them, we need a nap. Because it doesn't bring life to us. And I'm not just talking about, like, the introverts in the room where it's like, we need a nap after we leave the house. Um... But we have relationships in life that drain us. But our relationships, our God-ordained relationships should give us life and they should give us encouragement. Because I know for myself, I'm at my best when I feel encouraged, when I feel supported by those that God has placed in my world because they're declaring God's truth over my life. And you know, not letting me believe the opposite. So we are created for relationship. So... We're going to turn to the Word, but before we do that, let's pray. So, Lord God, I, I thank you for this Word that you've given me to share. God, I pray that in this moment that we'd be able to focus on what you're leading us to. I pray that as we read these Scriptures, that they wouldn't just be words, but they would be revelation that speak to our hearts and our spirits. God, we keep our hearts open and we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Amen. 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 Well, Genesis chapter 1. From verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. So we're created in the image of God. Now what does this mean? This means that when God created us, He gave us His likeness. He made us to be like Him. And God Himself is community. You know, you you might have heard when we were doing baptisms in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, God is three persons. God Himself is community. And we're created to be like that. We're created for community, 
to have other people around us. And can I encourage you that this community that we're created for, it goes beyond just our normal understanding of what a community is, but it's a God-breathed, Spirit-filled, meaningful community that centres around Jesus. You know, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, you know, that makes me excited. Being a part of a God-breathed, Spirit-filled, meaningful community. Now, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, we're not designed to be alone. We're not designed to be isolated. You know, it's not good. It says it in that scripture. You know, God's design for us as human beings is to be in meaningful community. You know, that's one of the reasons that He created the church. Because we need each other. We need healthy friendships. We need life-giving relationships. Because it's by design. We're created for that. And you know, one of the questions we might ask when we hear this is, if this is God's plan for us, if this is God's perfect plan, it's His design, it's His will for me, why can it be that often life-giving relationships and friendships can be difficult to find? It's not always easy. But if we jump ahead a couple of chapters in Genesis to Genesis 3, from verse 4 to 5, it says, You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You know, we see the, the fall of man. You know, things didn't quite turn out the way that they were intended. Sin entered the world and people started to put their own ambitions, their own desires, their, their own selves before community, before others. You know, maybe we start to think that we are better off alone because our human nature, you know, it causes us to think that we know better. It causes us to think that we know better than God's perfect plan for us. You know, also causes an unbelief in us that this kind of community is impossible. You know, this kind of community and and friendships that God designed for us are impossible to find. But the good news is that through Jesus, we find restoration. We find restoration of hope. We find restoration of light. And that as we're continually renewed through the power of Jesus that through Him and only through Jesus, we can see the impossible made possible. Because broken community was never what God intended for us. God intended for us to live a rich and satisfying life in community with others. Now John 10.10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, God's purpose, is to give you a rich and satisfying life. You know, the good news for us today is that we're redeemed by God through salvation. And today we can choose to take a step toward the rich and satisfying life that God created us for. God's design for us of community, of life-giving relationships. Now, if we think back over the, the last couple of years, practically for a moment, we all experienced a season where our connectedness and our togetherness 
was taken away. You know, we spent a good two years where we were prevented from seeing each other. We were prevented from gathering as the, as the church and we couldn't gather in the way that God designed for us. Do you know, some time has passed now and we can, we can look back and think, what effect has this had on us? You know, maybe we got used to the isolation. Maybe we simply forgot how to socialise. We forgot what it means to be in close relationships with people. We forgot the things that we enjoyed about community. Maybe we learnt to become self-sustaining because we felt like we had to. Maybe we learnt not to put effort into friendships because we couldn't. We weren't used to being challenged by the people around us. We weren't used to being encouraged by the people around us and experiencing personal growth. You know, I don't say all these things to beat us down this morning, but if we take, take a step back and take stock and say, do I resonate with any of these things? God, can you work in me to redeem that this morning? Because today, in this moment, we have an opportunity, church. We have an opportunity to choose to stand firm and take back what was taken from us. To take back our connectedness, our God-breathed community, our life-giving relationships, our fellowship with other believers. To step back into God's design and desire for us. To live in the fullness of life that He created us for. And today, together as the church, we take a step toward that. You know, maybe we're used to isolation, but this morning we're not walking alone. We're going on this journey together. We're walking in God's restoration and taking things back. You know, take heart this morning that God is a God of restoration. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, In His kindness, God called you to share in His external glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore support and strengthen you and He will place you on a firm foundation. You know, maybe we have suffered for a little while. You know, I can relate to that. Maybe for the last three years, we've suffered a little bit. But we can take heart and know that God will restore us. God will support us. He will strengthen us. And He will place us on a firm foundation of Jesus with life-giving relationships. You know, today's a day of reclamation, church. We're claiming back the design God has for us, for togetherness, our God-breathed, God-ordained community. And we're allowing God to bring healing, renewal and restoration. You know, today, church, we have the opportunity to, you know, we can just sit by the sidelines and wait for something to happen. Or we can step into the miracle that God is providing for us. One of renewal, one of restoration, one of hope and one of light. So what is a life-giving relationship? From Proverbs in chapter 17, verse 17, it says, A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Chapter 27, verse 17, is iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Chapter 27, verse 9, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. You know, what an incredible picture 
of life-giving relationships. You know, I don't know about you, but that's what I want in my life. That's what God created us for. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, God's plan for community, God's plan for relationships is greater than our plan. It's greater than my plan for community or my plan for relationships. You know, it can be very easy to to get our priorities wrong. You know, we heard before about our, our human nature, how it's not perfect. You know, there's moments where we put our ambitions, we put our selfish desires first in life. But when we become followers of Jesus, when we allow ourselves to be transformed and renewed by the Holy Spirit, our priorities change. You know, we stop thinking about these things and we learn to understand His desires and His will for us. You know, relationships become the most important thing in our lives. Firstly, your relationship with God. You know, there's no greater priority in life than our relationship with God. And my encouragement this morning is that we put that first. Simply making a commitment that every day to spend a few minutes praying and reading the Word. You know, and in doing that, I can guarantee to you that your life will be transformed, that God will breathe upon what you're doing. It'll transform your relationship with God, but then it will also transform your relationship with others as well. And walking in this, it's so fulfilling because refreshing comes from life-giving relationships. Now, John chapter 15, verse 13 says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And what a great picture of the friendship that Jesus offers to us and he, he encourages us to walk in with those around us as well. Now Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Love must be sincere. You know, what does it mean when it says love must be sincere? Now as a Greek word, I'm going to try. Here we go. Do you know it? Anupokritos, is that right? We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Thank you. He's, I'm not getting a thumbs up, I'm worried. Um, but this word sincere in the Greek, it, it means unhypocritical. You know, it means that we stop putting up walls. We stop wearing a mask and hiding behind something that's not who we truly are. And we know that our identity is found in God. You know, we understand how much He loves us and that by going on a journey of discipleship, it causes us to drop our walls and to become authentic, showing our true selves, who God created us to be. This is God's design for our relationships with one another that we would walk in an authenticity of who God has created us to be. And that when we become honest, when we become vulnerable with each other, that real life-giving relationships form 
And this causes us to grow. You know, our, our vulnerabilities with each other, it's not a cause for lament, but it's an opportunity for growth. Amen. That when we're vulnerable with those around us, we're encouraged, we're supported, we're built up to become more like Jesus. You know, a common misconception is that we win friends by impressing people with our strengths. But true connections formed when we share with others our vulnerabilities, when we allow people to see our weaknesses, who we, who we truly are, our realities with sincerity and authenticity. You know, allow our love to be sincere. You know, sincere in our love for God and His church. Sincere in our vulnerability and walking together in life through the wins and the losses and authentic in our pursuit of discipleship. Now Romans chapter 12 verse 4 says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. You know, in the Original language, belong there, speaks of an essential unity. It's not an optional unity. It's not an optional belonging, but it's essential to the rich, satisfying life that God has designed for us. You know, it's not just a nicety today that we belong to each other, but it's essential to our life-giving relationships. You know, a life-giving relationship follows the ways of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness and patience. Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. You know, when I hear this, it increases the stirring inside of me to walk in God-ordained community. Because when I, when I think of those things, I think, oh, how I would love to receive gentleness, patience, acceptance and, and unity, peace and humility from others. But also what an amazing honour it is to be able to share this with people as well. To be able to relate with people the way that God relates to me. Amen. Amen. Well, this is an exciting part of the service because... I get to announce that Connect Groups are coming back. So, and they're not that far away. I think it's like it's three weeks time. And the first week of October, Connect Groups are coming back. And God has given us a fresh vision for Connect Groups. You know, the encouragement today is to forget what you know, throw out the playbook because God's given us a new one. You know, what is God's design for us in this season as a church? What is God's design for us today as a church? So two things from our gateway vision and our values, it says that we value what He values. Within this house, within, these, within this culture, we value all, love all, and believe that it is only as all that we truly reflect the image, identity and character of our Creator. You know, that's the essential, essential unity that we're designed to be together in community. And we value people and community. We love who God loves and we value being connected in community. So our heart and our vision and our purpose for 
connect groups is that they're a place where people gather, connect and build life-giving friendships while being refreshed, encouraged, loved and discipled. Now that excites me this morning because I want that. I want life-giving relationships that refresh me, encourage me because I know that it's God's design for me. So a connect group, it's a place to connect and have fun around food. How good, how good is that? It's warm or maybe in summer it's cool, welcoming and a safe space. It's a place to be encouraged and refreshed. It's a place to build relationships and friendships. It's a place where we mutually care for one another. Connect groups are a community. Connect groups pray for immediate prayer needs. And connect groups are a place for reflecting on a scripture or a point from Sunday's message. So when a connect group meets together, what does it, what does it look like practically? I will tell you. So they meet once a month. And the reason for that is that on the other fortnight, we either have worship encounter and impartation or we have serving team discipleship so that together we can be discipled and move forward as a church. But once a month, on different days, different times, different locations, connect groups meet with six to ten people. You arrive, you're welcomed. That's, that's always a good start. You have tea or coffee or water. There's conversations that happen around food in, in a dining room or a, or a lounge room. Then we take a moment to pray as a group and then we go home at the time that we agreed upon. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Can we do that last one? <laughs> but can I encourage you today that connect groups, this, this journey that we're going on as a church, that they're not just a meeting. They're not just something that happened once a month, but a connect group is a community. It's a community of authentic friendships that are invested in each other's lives of life-giving relationships that are encouraging, inspiring, and God-breathed. Amen? Amen. So why is it important to be in relationship with a smaller group of people? Well, a great answer to that is that it follows the example given to us in the Bible of the early church. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Those who believed what Peter said, were baptised and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. That's a lot of people. Like talk about church growth. This is amazing. Like if this happened, we'd be on Instagram, like revival. 3,000 people. Now, but then if you think about it, like 3,000 people, how are the apostles going to care for all of them? Like they can't. They can't get around and do visitation to 3,000 people. So God revealed a way for community to happen in smaller groups of believers. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So now we've not just got 3,000 people, we've got like 3,001 and two and three. And What an incredible picture of the church. You know, what a, what a paradox, the church growing bigger and smaller at the same time. But that's God's design for us, is that we would have people, numbers of people added to the church, but we'd grow closer together in relationship at the same time. So we focus on Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. Now there's four key things in there. The Word, fellowship, communion and prayer. You know, the first, the Word. Jesus is the foundation. You know, Jesus is the foundation of our community. He has to be the foundation, the cornerstone of all our relationships, our life-giving relationships. And you know, the Word of God, it's alive and active. You know, we read it, we, we speak it out, we meditate on it, but it's also alive in our lives. You know, the way we talk, the way we relate to one another. You know, it's about the focus of our conversations being holy, being uplifting, pointing each other to Jesus. The Word of God alive in us. You know, connect groups are a place where the Word of God comes alive in our relationships. It comes alive in our community. You know, this word, fellowship, you know, it means the close association between people, emphasising what is common between them. And by extension, the participation, the sharing, contributing and giving You know, fellowship, it highlights what is common between us. You know, fellowship is discipleship in action. You know, I love this quote from A.W. Tozer from The Pursuit of God. It says, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which one must individually bow. So 100 worshippers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be, were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. You know, Jesus is the cornerstone. You know, when we focus first on God, we live in unity. When we focus First on God, our relationships become closer and more vibrant and more life-giving than they have ever been because it keeps us focused on truth, on His truth. Now Acts chapter 4 verse 32 says, All the believers were in one mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community for they shared everything they had with one another. You know, fellowship, it highlights the unique sharing that believers have both with God and with each other. Because you have something unique to bring to a group. You know, 
whatever connect group you end up joining and being a part of, the group's better off with you in it. Because you bring something unique. You bring unique gifts. You bring unique talents. You bring a unique perspective that God has given to you and only you. Because fellowship's not just about receiving, but it's about being generous ourselves. Now, the next thing from Acts 2.42 is communion or sharing in meals. You know, they met together around food. You know, I think that, that speaks to the, to the intimate nature of the relationships that they had. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't just invite random people to my house for dinner. I mean, if you do that, um, all the best <laughs> to you. But I won't be doing that. Because <laughs> you don't come around food in your house with just a random person off the street. Because there's an unguardedness in the positioning around food, in the hospitality. You know, when we meet together, we, we share what God is doing in our lives. We share testimony of His goodness. You know, we give thanks and we remember that this life that we live, that it's all because of Jesus and we keep each other focused on that. You know, Acts 4 verse 33 says, The apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great measures of grace rested upon them all. You know, powerful testimonies. You know, that speaks of when you share God's faithfulness in your life with others that, you know, it doesn't just make us feel good. It's not just warm and fuzzy, but it carries a supernatural power that stirs faith, that builds faith in those around you. And sharing the small and the bigger helps us recognise God at work in our lives as well, in the big and the small things. You know, it helps us understand it when we share it with others just how faithful our God is to us. And the fourth thing is prayer. You know, this speaks of a spiritual investment in each other's lives. You know, when we pray, it's a, it's a, it's a consideration. You know, we take time to ask God. We take time to come to God with our needs and asking for His provision in our lives and for those around us. You know, this is a considered investment in each other's lives. And this is one of those things that it doesn't just happen when connect groups meet together, but it happens throughout the week, that we pray for each other, that we keep each other in heart and in mind, and that we're invested in each other. But it also speaks of, our reliance upon God for His faithfulness and His providence. So again, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. You know, what an amazing, amazing picture of life-giving relationships. So right now, I just want to take a moment and let's pray together, church. 
God, I pray right now and I thank You for the Word that You've given to us. God, I thank You for the vision that You've given to us of life-giving relationships, of connect groups that meet together in God-breathed, God-ordained community. God, I pray right now that You would remove doubt. God, that if the enemy's sowing seeds of doubt that we're not worthy of life-giving relationships, God, that You would remove that doubt and that You would impart faith into lives right now. Holy Spirit, that You would bring revelation of life-giving relationships, of, of how You've designed us for community. God, and we declare today that we're taking the ground back. We're taking back our beautiful community that God designed us for, that the enemy would not have a hand upon it, but that we would walk in freedom of relationships that would bring life encouragement to each of us. Amen. Amen. So God's design for us is to have life-giving relationships, but the source of all this is our relationship with God. You know, the most important relationship that we could ever have is our relationship with God. You know, God's so faithful. You know, He's been so faithful in my life that no matter what season I've been going through, whether it's the best season or whether it's the worst season, that God has proven Himself faithful to me. And God wants to prove Himself faithful to you as well this morning because His desire is for you to know Him, to know His faithfulness, to know His love and to know His hope. Now He went to great lengths to make this a possibility for us that even, that even when we were far from God, when we didn't know Him yet, that He sent His Son Jesus to earth and Jesus performed signs, wonders and miracles and then He did what we couldn't do and He lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect life. And then He went to the cross and died an innocent death in our place. And in doing so, He then rose victorious over death on the third day, creating a pathway for us to be in relationship with God, for us to receive the unmerited forgiveness of God and enter into relationship with Him. And you know, this relationship with God, it's, it's an opportunity for all of us. It's an opportunity for you this morning. You know, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not walking in relationship with God, you can choose to step into that today. And it's as simple as praying a prayer to begin your relationship with God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So this morning, as the church, we're going to pray this prayer together. And if you'd like to take that step this morning of starting a relationship with God, all you need to do is pray this prayer with us this morning. It's as simple as that. So you... The church will pray together um, after me. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to make a way for me to be in relationship with you. I declare with my mouth 
that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that You raised Him from the dead. I choose today to follow You. Amen. We pray that that message was a blessing to you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, first of all, congratulations. We think that that is incredible. And secondly, if you go to gc.org.au forward slash first steps, our team has put together some resources as well as there's some information there for how you can get in contact with one of our pastors because we'd love to encourage you and connect you into the life of the church.